Good morning and welcome to Current Radio. It's Friday, January 12th. The thunderstorms passed the trailblazers in a 62-point win, and Stroman and the Yankees agreed to a deal, according to sources. Plus, an emotional Woodland is elated with a 71 in his tour return, and the punch-drunk Bruins lose by 46 to Utah. All this coverage and more, up next. Welcome to Current Radio's Sports Station. Please enjoy today's selection of sports news. In an extraordinary display of dominance, the Oklahoma City Thunder rolled past the Portland Trail Blazers with a 139-77 victory on Thursday night, a 62-point victory that matched the fifth-largest route in NBA history. Shai Gilgis-Alexander led the charge with 31 points, and Josh Giddy secured a triple-double. Helena, this was quite the turnaround for the Thunder, wasn't it? Absolutely, Stephen. This is a team that just a month ago was on the receiving end of the NBA's biggest blowout, losing by 73 to Memphis. It's a testament to their resilience and determination, especially considering key players like Gilgis Alexander and Giddy sat out during that loss. Gilgis Alexander even mentioned how that game served as fuel for their current performance. And it's not just the victory, but the margin of victory that's noteworthy here. The Thunder shattered their previous record for victory margin of 45 points. What does this say about the team's current form? It certainly indicates that they're in a strong position. They're now tied with the Minnesota Timberwolves for the best record in the Western Conference at 26-11. This is a team that's clicking on all cylinders, Stephen. They shot 57% from the field and had 41 assists on 53 made field goals. That's a level of efficiency and teamwork that's hard to match. Let's talk about Josh Giddy. He had a triple-double and went 5-for-5 five five from the field and 3-for-3 three three from the free-throw line. At just 21, he's the youngest NBA player with a triple-double and 100% shooting in a game. How significant is this? It's a remarkable achievement, Stephen. Giddy is showing maturity and skill beyond his years. His performance is not only a personal milestone, but also a significant contribution to the team's success. It's exciting to think about what he could achieve in the coming years. On the flip side, this was a tough night for the Trailblazers. This was their second worst loss, having fallen by 65 to Indiana back in 1998. They're now the first franchise in NBA history to lose by 60 or more points in multiple games. What went wrong for them, Helena? Well, Stephen, Portland coach Chauncey Billups described it as a perfect storm. Nothing seemed to work for them. They shot just 27.7% from the field, and their frustration was evident with technical fouls called on Shadon Sharp and Billups himself. It's a game they'll want to quickly forget and move on from. Indeed, a night to forget for the Trailblazers and a night to remember for the Thunder. Thanks for your insights, Helena. Now, in the latest baseball news, right-hander Marcus Stroman and the Yankees have agreed on a two-year, $37 million contract. This deal includes a vesting player option. Stroman, a two-time All-Star, is expected to strengthen New York's rotation. Helena, our sports analyst, is here to delve into this. Helena, what's the significance of this acquisition for the Yankees? Well, Stephen, Stroman, despite suffering hip and rib injuries that limited his starts in the second half of 2023, still managed to post a 2.96 ERA in the first half of the year with the Chicago Cubs. This was the fourth best mark in the National League. 
the Yankees are looking to him to bolster a rotation that includes Jarrett Cole, the reigning American League Cy Young winner, and a few other less certain elements. So what does this mean for the rest of the Yankees' rotation? Carlos Rodon, a left-hander, struggled in the first season of a six-year, $162 million deal. The rotation is expected to be completed by Nestor Cortez and Clark Schmidt. Stroman's addition provides a much-needed boost. There's also a third-year option for $18 million that would vest if Stroman reaches 140 innings in 2025. He was close to this mark last season and in 2022 and has exceeded it four times before. The Yankees were also looking to add a starter to their off-season acquisition of outfielder Juan Soto. They initially considered NL Cy Young winner Blake Snell, but the price tag was too high. What made Stroman a more appealing choice? Stroman brings a wealth of experience to the Yankees. He's a nine-year veteran and will be joining his fourth team in six seasons. His career began with the Toronto Blue Jays in 2014. Then he spent some time with the New York Mets and the Cubs. His sinker is his most effective pitch, and he has the second highest ground ball rate among pitchers with at least 1,000 innings since his 2014 debut. Plus, he's a local guy, having grown up on Long Island. All these factors likely contributed to the Yankees' decision. It sounds like the Yankees are making strategic moves to strengthen their team, and we'll have to see how this plays out in the upcoming season. Thanks for your insights, Helena. Now, in a remarkable comeback, Gary Woodland, the former U.S. Open champion, has returned to the Sony Open after undergoing brain surgery to remove a tumor. This, of course, is a significant event in the world of golf. Helena, can you tell us more about Woodland's return and how he performed? Absolutely, Stephen. Woodland's return was indeed emotional. He admitted to being moved when his name was announced on the tee, given that there was a time when he didn't know if he would ever play again. His score was a 71, which he described as probably the happiest I've ever been shooting over par. He was testing his mental strength this week and was pleased with how he performed, especially in the last nine holes. That's quite a comeback. Now, let's talk about Taylor Montgomery and Cam Davis. They also had noteworthy performances, correct? Indeed, Stephen. Montgomery, playing in his first competition in seven weeks, made birdie on half of his holes for a six under 64. He had the early lead on a blustery day. Meanwhile, Davis produced the best opening round in the Sony Open, an 8-under-62 for a two-shot lead. He had a strong gallery cheering him on, which included his wife's entire family from Seattle. It seems like the wind played a significant role in the tournament. How did it affect the players' strategies? The wind was indeed a major factor. It was so strong that Webb Simpson hit a 5-wood into the 490-yard first hole. The wind also brought thick clouds and light rain, and it became too dark for everyone to finish. 18 players didn't conclude their rounds. The wind direction made some par fours, such as the 490-yard first and the 465-yard fifth, play like brutes, significantly altering the players' strategies. And what about Chris Kirk? He won the century last week on Maui and is trying to join Justin Thomas and Ernie Els to sweep Hawaii. How did he perform? Kirk is certainly one to watch. He's not one to get too high or too low on the golf course, but he admitted that winning made it hard to sleep for the first few nights on Oahu. He's two shots behind Davis, so he's definitely in the running. It's certainly shaping up to be an interesting tournament. Thanks for your insights, Helena. Now, in college basketball news, UCLA coach Mick Cronin is not mincing words after his team's 90-44 loss at Utah. 
This is the second largest loss in Bruins history, with a 48-point loss at Stanford in 1997 being the worst. Helena, this is a significant setback for a team that had reached the Final Four just three years ago, isn't it? Absolutely, Stephen. This is a sudden slide for a team that leads all college basketball teams with 11 national titles. Cronin has had a memorable run with the Bruins, leading them to three consecutive Sweet 16 appearances and a Final Four trip in 2021. But this current team, despite boasting NBA talent, is struggling. Cronin mentioned that the only solution for this slump is better shooting and efficiency. He also mentioned that he doesn't believe his team has quit on him. What do you make of this? Cronin's comments suggest that he's looking at the situation realistically. The Bruins' current NET ranking is 176, and they've made only 27.9% of their three-point attempts, one of the worst marks in the NCAA. They need a sweeping turnaround to even reach the NIT. Cronin's belief that his team hasn't quit on him is crucial, as it shows he still has faith in their ability to turn things around. One player Cronin singled out was a Dedham Bona, a projected second-round pick in ESPN's latest mock NBA draft. What does Bona need to do to help the Bruins improve? Bona is a key player for the Bruins, and Cronin is right to expect more from him. He needs to step up, not just in terms of scoring, but also in terms of leadership. The team's confidence is low, as guard Lazar Stefanovic admitted. Bona, as a potential NBA player, can help lift the team's spirits and performance. Cronin also mentioned that the team's mind is affected by lack of scoring, which in turn affects their defense and rebounding. Is this a common problem in basketball? Yes, Stephen. It's a common issue in basketball. Scoring is a confidence booster, and when a team struggles to score, it can affect their overall performance. The Bruins' recent games have shown this, with two straight games giving up 14 offensive rebounds. Cronin's concern is valid, and it's something the team will need to address moving forward. Well, it's clear that the Bruins have some serious work to do. Thanks for your insights, Helena. And with that, we wrap up our stories for today. We appreciate you listening to Current Radio and look forward to seeing you back here tomorrow.